What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Founders Journal. This is Alex, and my job is to make yours easier as an entrepreneur. On this episode, I'm trying something new. I call it Startup CrossFit. Now, Startup CrossFit is inspired by a tweet that I put out a few days ago that absolutely blew up. The tweet was, respond to this tweet with a business idea. I will tell you what I like about the idea, what worries me, and if I'd take an investor meeting. I can tell in 280 characters whether an idea is good or bad and why. 24 hours later, I had 555 replies on this tweet and 408,000 views. So I decided to share some of the most interesting business ideas here on this episode and whether or not I think they have legs. I have a feeling this is going to be a recurring format that you all love. So if you want me to take your business idea through Startup CrossFit on an upcoming episode, send it to me at alex at morningbrew.com. Now, let's do some CrossFit. Idea number one is from Kevin Jorgensen. I checked out his Twitter bio before reading his idea, and it says, climbed world's hardest big wall, the Dawn Wall, founder of Session, a $12 million ground-up climbing gym, and one climb, a nonprofit, to get a million kids climbing. So clearly, this guy is into rock climbing. The idea he shared is moving climbing out of the $1 billion commercial gym market and into the $22 billion family entertainment market with, quote, vertical playgrounds in high foot traffic retail locations in the U.S., Cheaper and faster to build than commercial gyms, simpler to operate, if right, lots of room for scale. So my understanding basically is that he thinks that typical traditional rock climbing gyms are not meant for entertainment. They're more meant for building skills, for exercise, more for adults. And so it sounds like his thesis is if you can make this more of a family-friendly form of entertainment, that there's a huge opportunity here. I have so many questions that I can't say on this one if I'm definitively in or out. So what I said to Kevin is I said, unsure, too many unanswered questions. And there are basically three key questions that I want to start with to get answers to. The first question I have is, what would repeat rate look like within a vertical playground? The reason I ask that question is my fear is there are so many forms of family entertainment that this will become a novelty for people, but you won't see kids coming back to this week after week to play on vertical playgrounds because they have so many options. So my view is like, what is the repeat rate that you think this business is going to have? How do you think about what that repeat rate is? And what does the repeat rate need to be for this to be a viable business? The second question I asked is, what's the total cost to get this type of gym up and running? He said it's cheaper than commercial gyms, but it still feels like it would be a very large upfront cost. And so I want to understand what that is to understand basically how long is it going to take to pay back the upfront investment. And then the third question I had for Kevin is, for this to succeed, do a large number of kids slash families need to no longer go to normal climbing gyms? The intention with this question is, I'm wondering like, for this to be a successful business, do you need to steal share from the existing institution of traditional climbing gyms? Because that feels pretty difficult. Like I'm wondering, are people not having a good enough time with their kids at traditional climbing gyms that they're going to very easily switch over? Or is he saying this is a net new market for kids who haven't climbed in the past at all and it's opening up to those people? 
And one other thing I'll just say about this idea is I noticed that a big-time investor responded to Kevin's tweet, basically saying they were interested in investing in this and wanted to talk about building this with him, which I just think is such a cool byproduct of doing this social experiment online. So that's idea number one. Idea number two is from Christian Ruff. His bio is super interesting, and it applies to his business. It says, prior 160th Night Stalker's gunship helicopter pilot started Mail Jumbo, now connecting high performers with former operators at Uncommon Elite. The idea by Christian is a coaching firm of former Navy SEALs, 160th, and Delta that have actual business experience. So he basically said like a Jocko Willink or David Goggins that has more profit-driving relevance with less bravado. So it sounds like he wants to create a business coaching firm that is all ex-military people who have both the military experience but also have the operational experience in businesses. I think it's a really interesting way of creating opportunity for former SEALs and service people. But something I'm wondering is how the coaching experience in a professional setting will be different from that of a non-military great business coach. What I'm saying is there are so many business coaches out there. I actually read a stat recently that there are now more business coaches than there are business owners, which is absurd. Most of these business coaches suck and irrespective of what their backgrounds are. And so I guess what I'm saying is what is going to differentiate a great business coach who is a former Navy SEAL from just a plain great business coach who's great at business coaching? And why is it going to matter to a client that the person was in the military if they could find a great business coach regardless of whether they're in the military? Like to me, a great business coach is a great business coach. My thought is this feels a little bit niche to me. I think it can be a business, especially for entrepreneurs who want to support service people, but also at the end of the day, entrepreneurs are just going to be looking for great business coaches, regardless of what their backgrounds are. I would never raise money for this business. I think it can cash flow, but I have concern about like how differentiated is this from just a typical great coaching business. Idea number three is from Alex Pressa. Alex's background looks to be just spinning up a lot of businesses and continuing to just create kind of small internet businesses. Alex's bio says road to 100,000. I think they want to do 100,000 either in a month or a year. There are 12,000 right now on the journey to 100,000. Their idea is something called Ketchup, which is a play on uh, words for catch up. And it's an app that crawls your contacts and gets you to set reminders to catch up with people who you haven't in a while. And it reminds you of the last time you did connect with them, $1.99 for the app while making the connections are priceless. What I said to Alex is, I'm in. It's basically the text version of email boomerang. So almost like um, with email, when you get a reply from someone and you haven't responded in seven days, how Gmail will pop it back to the top of your inbox to remind you. I will say my one concern about this business is just from a customer's perspective, at the end of the day, I'm wondering how many people are there in my life that I haven't messaged with in months that I really feel the need to catch up with. Like at the end of the day, we only have room for so many friends in our lives. And so I'm just wondering, am I willing to pay money to keep in contact with people who I'm not already thinking about staying in contact with constantly. Like I have my close circle, and I guess what is my need to catch up with people outside of my close circle? Now, I do think this is a really interesting idea in a professional setting as well. Like who are professional contacts that you just want to keep relationships with because you don't, when you need something from them, you don't want the first 
kind of reach out from you to them in a year to be asking them for help. So I actually think it's really good for keeping professional relationships warm, but I'm not sure how valuable it will be in a personal setting, but it's $1.99, and I do think you can get enough people to pay for that, even to keep one valuable connection who you haven't talked to in a while. So that's my thoughts on Ketchup. Idea number four is from Joe Weisenthal, who is the co-host of the Odd Lots podcast at Bloomberg. And Joe's idea is a company where you give the company a Spotify playlist, and then they send you the playlist on a cassette tape along with a Walkman that you can give as a gift to someone. And my exact words to Joe were, in, never raise money, cash flow that puppy into the sunset. And my general view on this is that I think this is a business that hits on nostalgia, which is great. I think nostalgia businesses can be great cash flowing businesses. I think it can make for a great gift that you give to someone as well who's nostalgic. And I think it can be a very nice small business that lets people relive their teenage years or their young adult lives. And this is going to date me, but like I don't know exactly when cassette tapes were used. So assuming they were used in like the 80s and 90s, to me, like you're going after that generation. And I could see this business expanding into other nostalgic categories, like having your own custom albums created on vinyl or having your own custom albums put onto CD tracks. The issue there is then you need the hardware for it. But yeah, I think this is a, an interesting business you never raise for, but I think there's millions to tens of millions of people that would want to buy this. I don't know if they'd be repeat purchasers. Maybe they would be, but I think it's really interesting as a nostalgic cash flowing business. Idea number five is actually not from a person, it's from a business, Anson Belt and Buckle. Anson Belt is a micro-adjustable holist D2C belt company, and their idea is an ice cream truck franchise. This soft-served ice cream starts with a chocolate or vanilla base, and you can add three ingredients of about just any chocolate, nut, candy, you name it. The machine that blends it is what makes it so special. Marketing and branding could be really fun. My thoughts on this is I'm out. Uh, because I don't know exactly what's going to make this ice cream machine different from other ice cream machines. They really haven't indicated what's different about the tech. I will say I really like the idea of refreshing the ice cream truck. If you think about, like I, I live in Hoboken and there's two or three ice cream trucks that are out by kind of the, the river walk, especially in summer months. And all of these ice cream trucks are outdated. They're kind of dumpy. They don't feel quality or modernized. And I think there's this interesting idea of modernizing the ice cream truck. And especially because it'll be out in the open, it'll be very visual. I could see it being actually a great marketing tactic for people to take pictures with this truck if you have really interesting moments. Or if you create ice cream in a way where it's like, overflowing or it has a certain visual aesthetic to it that is different from the typical ice cream that's just like a plain cone with the ice cream on top and maybe some sprinkles. Like, how do you change the visual aesthetic of both the truck and the end product, which is the ice cream, to create photographable moments? So I think that's interesting. But this feels like a logistical nightmare to me with the seasonality of the truck. Outside of the summer, what are you doing with it? And refrigeration seems like a nightmare as well. So I'm out, but I think there's an interesting branding and marketing idea on the old school ice cream truck. Now, for what it's worth, I think there's an idea of like bringing back the milkman from like the 1950s that would deliver milk at your home. What does that look like? That's an interesting thought to me. Okay, we're gonna move on to idea number six, but before we do that, a quick break to hear from the folks that pay the bills. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, we've talked through five ideas in Startup CrossFit. We are going to rattle through the remaining five, and uh, then we'll give you guys your day back. Idea number six is from Kirthi, and the idea is a platform to store end-of-life planning documents to be used when a partner or parent passes away. So this would include wills, power of attorney, bank account info, retirement account info, utilities and bill info, have the information handy to keep the lights on when grieving. My thoughts are I'm in, and it's funny because at first I was out on this idea because my whole thing is like, there's so many tools out there to store information, right? Like you could have a Google Drive folder for end-of-life planning, but my understanding about end-of-life planning is what ends up happening is that rarely do people actually plan effectively. What happens is no one ever plans on dying, and so they don't get their shit in order before they pass away to leave things in a really organized and accessible place for their surviving family. And so I actually think what's helpful about this platform is not actually how it is stored. It's a question of how do you create the urgency for someone to get their stuff in order or have their family get their stuff in order well in advance of them passing before it is too late. And so that's why I think it's an interesting idea. It's actually not about the technology. It's about how do you create urgency for this to be done proactively. Idea number seven is from Sync. The idea is a tutoring marketplace slash platform that connects Ivy League students to high school and middle school students. And then Sync shared, I'm a student at Penn myself. My thoughts are I'm in. This feels like it can be a great first cash flowing business to create. Do I think this is gonna be a massive business? No, I don't. But I don't think you have to raise money for this business. It's very simply a marketplace between college students and students who want to get into the colleges that these college tutors are currently studying at. I think this is a great business for saying to get their feet wet in entrepreneurship. I think they can will this thing into existence with very little money. And I think it'll be great experience for them to build this into, I still think this could be a seven-figure business, but ultimately if they want to take a bigger swing, I think this will teach them a lot of the fundamental lessons to take another swing when they graduate from school. Idea number eight is from Dave Schools. His bio is VP multi-product growth. I don't know what multi-product growth means. Uh, he was the number two employee at Hopin, editor-in-chief of Entra Handbook, creator of Party Q's app, Three Kids, No Sleep, Endless Hustle. His idea is the liquid death of conversation starter games by Party Q's, the number one questions app. Extremely high quality, $50 each, 500 questions marketed to wealthy moms and bars slash restaurants, growth loop through app, working name, death to silence, party box, eventually break into retail and dating industry with new product lines. So I'm in on the idea. I think there's just always going to be a market for conversation starters and kind of like table games and table card games. I like the liquid death analogy. For those of you who don't know, liquid death, you know, has become a billion dollar company basically from just being really good at marketing water. It's a the most commoditized product in the world, yet they've been able to sell hundreds of millions of dollars of this water. And one of their slogans is death to thirst. 
And so the death to silence is an ode to that, which I think is really clever. I'm out on the customer slash branding fit of this. Dave talked about that he wants this death to silence, liquid death-esque branding to be meant for a wealthy mom demo. And I just wonder about if that's the right demographic for this game. I'm also just thinking like, who is the most likely demographic to want to sit down and have deep conversations with other people based on question prompts. And I'm very curious why Dave picked the Wealthy Mom demo. I also think this is a perfect product to launch on Kickstarter. Table games are the number one category on Kickstarter. I don't think you ever have to raise money for the game. Again, it's a crowded space, but the nice thing is, is if you can get some sort of product market fit, super high margin, it costs almost nothing to print on paper. And if he's charging $50 a game, like to me, this may be a game that has like $45 a margin, which is pretty incredible. Idea number nine is from Yoni Chanowitz. His bio is sculptor, programmer, JavaScript, Python, PHP, somehow got into absurdist comedy. He also plays Dungeon and Dragons. His idea is a semi-luxury bus company, and he describes it as membership, limited number of recliner seats, curtains, entertainment system, Wi-Fi, can use HOV lanes slash bus lanes, avoid congestion and surcharge, cheaper than Uber, taxi, and leasing. And then he said, cost initial is $300,000 plus 150K per bus, yearly $75,852. I don't know what that's referring to, and $225,000 in profit. I don't know what the yearly number was, maybe the yearly cost of running the business. My thoughts on this business is I'm out. I'm not sure how this is solving a big enough problem. Like to me, there's kind of two modes of transportation in major cities. You have mass affordable, which is buses, trains, bikes, ferries. And then you have, let's say, less affordable, more luxury. And that's things like Uber, black car, or driving your own car and then having your car sit in an expensive parking garage. And so I just don't know that there's a big enough gap between mass affordable and let's call it luxury expensive for this to be a meaningful business. And it has very large cost of capital to start this thing up. So to me, the juice isn't worth the squeeze and there's a decent amount of risk for what I don't view as a, a huge opportunity. And the final idea I'm gonna share on today's Startup CrossFit is idea number 10 from Lawrence Morass. Their bio is founder, product builder, and sometimes consultant in tech, healthcare, and events. They like the ocean, the sun, and spice. I like those three things as well. And they are a bubble, no-code developer. The idea is a platform slash marketplace where coaches and students who take private lessons can turn them into semi-privates by inviting a plus one or plus two, and thus drastically lowering the cost of lessons and increasing access to new learnings. My thoughts are I'm in. I actually love the idea of a marketplace for private classes in a range of topics. My wife and I, for the last few months, have actually been doing private classes for Spanish. We want to relearn Spanish. And so it's a weekly class. Um, we do it with two other students. So there are four of us in the class. We've had the same teacher the whole time. And there's many levels to go from, let's call it beginner level Spanish. And they do it in terms of, it's called Spanish black belt. So they start at white and it goes all the way up to black belt where it's fluency. And I think there's an opportunity to have a platform where teachers of whether it's high schools, 
colleges, et cetera, like subject matter experts can monetize themselves outside of the classroom. And it allows similarly interested people to meet each other and split costs. Like I could see myself wanting to do private classes for learning AI. I could see myself wanting to do it for even like art. Like some of the subjects that I dreaded in school, but would love to learn now that I'm just interested in picking up new skills. I think this would be a great platform for that. And it sits somewhere in between the cost of true private one-on-one and kind of like the MOOCs, the massive open online courses where there's no high touch feeling with a teacher and it's millions of people taking the same class asynchronously. Now, there were 545 more of these ideas, but I'm gonna stop there with these 10 and I'd love to hear what you think. What did you think of Startup CrossFit? Did you like it? Do you wanna see more of it or did you not? And do you wanna shelve it for a different format that I try? Shoot me an email to alex at morningbrew.com and let me know what you think about it. And if you have any business ideas that you want me to take through Startup CrossFit next time. As always, thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next episode. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.